Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. This is going to be for Ether Chapter 12, this episode. Uh, this is going to be where Moroni is going to give us a lot of doctrine in this chapter. Lots of things going on, a lot of history being recounted, and and uh, so let's get into this. Verse 1, And it came to pass that the days of Ether were in the days of Coriantumr, and Coriantumr was king over all the land. And Ether was a prophet of the Lord, wherefore Ether came forth in the days of Coriantumr, and began to prophesy unto the people, for he could not be restrained because of the Spirit of the Lord which was in him. The Jaredites were given one last chance to repent and come unto Christ. Verse 3, For he did cry from the morning, even until the going down of the sun, exhorting the people to believe in God and to repentance, lest they should be destroyed, saying unto them that by faith all things are fulfilled. Wherefore, whoso believeth in God might with surety hope for a better world, yea, even a place at the right hand of God, which hope cometh of faith, maketh an anchor to the souls of men, which would make them sure and steadfast, always abounding in good works, being led to glorify God. And it came to pass that Ether did prophesy great and marvelous things unto the people, which they did not believe, because they saw them not. And now here's a scripture mastery verse. And now I, Moroni, would speak somewhat concerning these things. I would show unto the world that faith is things which are hoped for and not seen. Wherefore, dispute not, because ye see not, for ye receive no witness until after the trial of your faith. Adversity can increase faith, or instead can cause the troubling roots of bitterness to spring up. One's life, therefore, cannot be both faith-filled and stress-free. Therefore, how can you and I really expect to glide naively through life, as if to say, Lord, give me experience, but not grief, not sorrow, not pain, not opposition, not betrayal, and certainly not to be forsaken. Keep from me, Lord, all those experiences which made thee what thou art. Then let me come and dwell with thee, and, and full share thy joy. And that was Elder Maxwell. President Kimball said, it makes... It takes faith, unseeing faith, for young people to proceed immediately with their family responsibilities in the face of financial uncertainties. It takes faith for the young woman to bear her family instead of accepting employment, especially when schooling for the young husband is to be finished. It takes faith to observe the Sabbath when time and a half can be had working, when profit can be made, when merchandise can be sold. It takes a great faith to pay tithes when funds are scarce and demands are great. It takes faith to fast and have family prayers and to observe the word of wisdom. It takes faith to do home teaching, stake missionary work, and other service when sacrifice is required. It takes faith to fill full-time missions, but know this, that all these are of the planting, while faithful, devout family, spiritual security, peace, and eternal life are the harvest. Verse 7, For it was by faith that Christ showed himself unto our fathers, after he had risen from the dead, and he showed not himself unto them until after they had faith in him. Wherefore it must needs be that some had faith in him, for he showed himself not unto the world. But because of the faith of men he has shown himself unto the world, and glorified the name of the Father, and prepared a way that thereby others might be partakers of the heavenly gift. The heavenly gift of which Moroni speaks is the forgiveness of sins, the companionship of the Holy Ghost, and the accompanying gifts of the Spirit that are bestowed upon the just and faithful saints of God. And that was by Millet McConkie. 
continuing verse 8, that they might hope for those things which they have not seen. Wherefore, ye may also have hope and be partakers of the gift if ye will but have faith. Behold, it was by faith that they are that they of old were called after the holy order of God. When, they, when we say holy order of God, we're talking priesthood authority. Wherefore, by faith was the law of Moses given, but in the gift of his son hath God prepared a more excellent way, and it is by faith that it has been fulfilled. For if there be no faith among the children of men, God can do no miracle among them. Wherefore, he showed not himself until after their faith. Behold, it was faith of Alma and Amulek that caused the prison to tumble to the earth. So now Moroni is going to give an account of some of the miracles that have happened in the story of the Book of Mormon uh, to show that these all occurred by faith. Behold, it was the faith of Nephi and Lehi that wrought the change upon the Lamanites, that they were baptized with fire and with the Holy Ghost. Behold, it was the faith of Ammon and his brethren which wrought so great a miracle among the Lamanites. Yea, and even all they who wrought miracles wrought them by faith, even those who were before Christ and also those who were after. And it was by faith that the three disciples obtained a promise that they should not taste of death, and they obtained not the promise until after their faith. And neither at any time hath any wrought miracles until after their faith, wherefore they first believed in the Son of God, and there were many whose faith was so exceedingly strong, even before Christ came, who could not be kept from within the veil, but truly saw with their eyes the things which they had beheld with an eye of faith, and they were glad. And behold, we have seen in this record that one of these was the brother of Jared, for so great was his faith in God, that when God put forth his finger, he could not hide it from the sight of the brother of Jared, because of his word which he had spoken unto him, which word he had obtained by faith. And after the brother of Jared had beheld the finger of the Lord, because of the promise which the brother of Jared had obtained by faith, the Lord could not withhold anything from his sight, wherefore he showed him all things, for he could, not, he could no longer be kept without the veil. And it is by faith that my fathers have obtained the promise that these things should come unto their brother, meaning the Book of Mormon, unto the brethren the, through the Gentiles. Therefore the Lord had com hath commanded me, yea, even Jesus Christ. And I said unto him, Lord, the Gentiles will mock at these things because of our weakness in writing. The Lord, for, for Lord, thou hast made us mighty in word by faith, but thou hast not made us mighty in writing. For thou hast made all this people that they could speak much because of the Holy Ghost which thou hast given them. And thou hast made us that we could write but little because of the awkwardness of our hands. Behold, thou hast not made us mighty in writing like unto the brethren, like unto the brother of Jared. For thou madest him that the things which he wrote were mighty even as thou art unto the overpowering of man to read them. Thou also hast made our words powerful and great, even that we cannot write them. Wherefore, when we write, we behold our weakness and stumble because of the placing of our words. And I fear, lest the Gentiles shall mock at our words. And when I had said this, the Lord spake unto me, saying, Fools mock, but they shall mourn, and my grace is sufficient for the meek, that they shall take no advantage of your weakness. Another scripture mastery verse now. Uh, 27. And if men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. I will give unto men weakness, that they may be humble. And my grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then will I make weak things become strong unto them. One of the purposes of the conditions created by the fall is to impel men to acknowledge their own weaknesses of the flesh and depend more on the power of God than on the arm of flesh. Hardships and afflictions and mortality are often allowed by an omniscient God in order to turn the hearts of the children of men to him. In addition to the universal weaknesses of the flesh that come as a result of the fall, the Lord will at times give unto men a personalized, individual challenge that is designed to increase a person's faith in and dependence upon the Lord. 
It is in these moments of personal pain and recognition of our individual weaknesses and limitations that humbly leaning upon the ample arm of Jesus produces strength which compensates for and overcomes mortal weaknesses. The Lord's giving us weaknesses in order that we may humbly look to him as our source of strength is not just a series of isolated events in a lifetime, but rather is an ongoing process. Keep in mind that the Lord may not always give us weaknesses, but because of our, our condition of our mortality, they come. C.S. Lewis insightfully observed, when a man turns to Christ and seems to be getting on pretty well in the sense that some of his bad habits are now corrected, he often feels that it would now be natural if things went fairly smoothly. When troubles come along, illnesses, money troubles, new kinds of temptation, he is disappointed. These things, he feels, might have been necessary to rouse him and make him repent in his bad old days, but why now? Because God is forcing him on up to a higher level, putting him into situations where he will have to be very much braver or more patient or more loving than he ever dreamed of before. It seems to us all unnecessary, but that is because we have not yet got the slightest notion of the tremendous thing he means to make of us. Continuing on, our eternal father knows all of his spirit children, and in his infinite wisdom, he chooses the very time that each comes to earth to gain a mortal body and undergo a probationary experience. Everything the Lord does is for the benefit and blessing of his children, and each of these children is subjected to the very trials and experiences that omniscient wisdom knows we should have. Elder McConkie uh, that was from Elder McConkie. Some are tested by poor health, some by a body that is deformed or homely. Others are tested by handsome and healthy bodies, some of the passion of youth, some by the passion of youth, others by the erosions of old age. Hmm, I know what that one's about. Some suffer disappointment in marriage, family problems, others live in poverty and obscurity. Some, perhaps this is the hardest test, find ease and luxury. All are part of the test, and there is more equality in this testing than sometimes we suspect. And that was by Boyd K. Packer. Uh, Brother Ludlow said, some, some have mistakenly believed that the Lord gave us weaknesses. He did not. We inherited the weakness that come as part of being mortals who are in a fallen state and who are susceptible to weaknesses, individual character flaws that may beset us as a result of our being in this fallen state. We did not have those character flaws as spirits in our premortal state. Identifying the weaknesses that do develop and working to overcome them is the way we eventually become like the Savior. Whatever the weakness, Christ can supply the strength to overcome it. All other earthly efforts to overcome the effects of the weaknesses of the flesh, as helpful as they may be, are limited in their soul-transforming power. It is through the grace of Christ that even mortal inadequacies are compensated for or overcome while we yet tarry in the flesh. Through faithful acceptance of the atonement of Jesus Christ, all losses can be ultimately restored, all suffering can cease, and all inequities and injustices in life can be rectified. The Savior desires to save us from our inadequacies as well as our sins. That was by uh, Bruce Hafen. He also said, inadequacy is not the same as being sinful. We have far more control over the choice to sin than we have over our innate capacity. A sense of falling short or falling down is not only natural, but essential to the mortal experience. Still, after all we can do, the atonement can fill that which is empty, straighten our bent parts, and make strong that which is weak. Jack Christensen and Doug Bassett said, Our Savior took much more than just our sins upon him. In Gethsemane, in that sacred place, Christ took upon himself our weaknesses as well in the hope that we might one day be willing to participate in the process of changing them into strengths. Verse 28, Behold, I will show unto the Gentiles their weakness, and I will show unto them that faith, hope, and charity bringeth unto me 
the fountain of all righteousness. And I, Moroni, having heard these words, was comforted and said, O Lord, thy righteous will be done. For I know that thou workest unto the children of men according to their faith. I guess it should read, thy righteous will be done. For the brother of Jared said unto the mountain Zaron, Remove, and it was removed. And if he had not had faith, it would not have removed. Wherefore, thou workest after men have faith. For thou didst, for thus thou did, verse 31, for thus thou, take two, verse 31, for thus thou didst manifest thyself unto thy disciples, for after they had faith and did speak in thy name, thou didst show thyself unto them in great power. And I also remember that thou hast said that thou hast prepared a house for man, yea, even among the mansions of thy father, in which man might have more have a more excellent hope. Wherefore, man must hope, or he cannot receive an inheritance in the place which thou hast prepared. And again, I remember that thou hast said that thou hast loved the world, even unto the laying down of thy life for the world, that thou mightest take it again to prepare a place for the children of men. And now I know that this love which thou hast had for the children of men is charity. Wherefore, except men have shall have charity, they cannot inherit that place which thou hast prepared in the mansions of thy father. Wherefore, I know by this thing, which thou hast said, that if the Gentiles have not charity, because of our weakness, that thou wilt prove them, and take away their talent, yea, even that which they have received, and give unto them who shall have more abundantly. And it came to pass that I prayed unto the Lord, that he would give unto the Gentiles grace, that they might have charity. And it came to pass that the Lord said unto me, If they have not charity, it mattereth not unto thee. Thou hast been faithful, wherefore thy garments shall be made clean. And because thou hast seen thy weakness, thou shalt be made strong, even unto the sitting down in the place which I have prepared in the mansions of my father. And now I, Moroni, bid farewell unto the Gentiles, yea, and also unto my brethren whom I love, until we shall meet before the judgment seat of Christ, where all men shall know that my garments are not spotted with your blood. It is worthy of note that it was these verses which Hiram Smith had been reading in the Book of Mormon only a short time before going to the place of martyrdom at Carthage. That was by Millet McConkie. Verse 39, And then shall I know that I have seen, then shall ye know that I have seen Jesus. Just as had his father Mormon, Moroni was privileged to see the resurrected Christ. He received this second comforter on account of his great faith and righteousness. This blessing came to him as an anchor to his soul to support and strengthen him in the enormous challenges and obstacles he faced. There is another reason, however, why Moroni was, given, was giving us this information. It is not to boast of his own righteousness, nor is it to speak lightly of such sacred privilege that was his. It was to give power and authority to his words and testimony and to demonstrate that the words contained in the Book of Mormon were authorized and accepted by the God of Israel. And that was by Millet and McConkie. I think another reason he tells us that he saw Jesus is to let us know that we can too. One does not usually leap ahead from one capacity level to a level much farther away. We usually develop patiently by making small adjustments, gradually increasing our capacity, building a solid foundation on the most simple pr principles of the gospel. Ye are not able to abide the presence of God now, neither the ministering of angels. Wherefore, continue in patience until ye are perfected. We make spiritual progress through two means, our own agency and God's timetable. He does not always reveal his timetable. To possess some capacities, we wait on the Lord. We make a mistake if we think that by going into some kind of spiritual overdrive, we can suddenly assure, assume great spiritual capacity or compel spiritual experience. That was by Catherine Thomas, continuing verse 39. And that he hath talked with me face to face, and that he told me in plain humility, even as a man telleth another in mine own language concerning these things. And only a few have I written because of my weakness in writing. And now I would commend you to seek that this Jesus, 
of whom the prophets and apostles have written, that the grace of God the Father and also the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost, which beareth record of them, may be and abide in you forever. Amen. Elder McConkie said, As believing saints, it is our privilege to see the Lord face to face, to talk with him as a man speaketh with his friend, to have his person attend us from time to time, and to have him manifest us uh, manifest to us the Father. I think Elder McConkie was probably speaking by experience. After the true saints receive and enjoy the gift of the Holy Ghost, after they know how to attune themselves to the voice of the Spirit, after they mature spiritually so that they see visions, work miracles, and entertain angels, after they make their calling and election sure and prove themselves worthy of every trust, after all this and more, it becomes their right and privilege to see the Lord and commune with Him face to face. Revelations, visions, angelic visitations, the rending of the heavens, and appearances among men of the Lord Himself, all these things are for all of the faithful. They are not reserved for apostles and prophets only. God is no respecter of persons. They are not reserved for only for one way, for one age only or for a select lineage or people. We are all our Father's children. We are all welcome. I bear testimony that these things are true and say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time.